Blog Talk Radio. The secret to everything. You are about to hear secrets. Secrets about life. Love. Hidden mysteries, spirituality, frequencies, energy healing, science, alternative health, money and abundance, and much, much more. Secrets that most others don't know, but are now here being revealed to you. Listen carefully and be open to learning the secret to everything. The views expressed on the secret to everything are not necessarily those of the host, co-host, or our guests. All medical information discussed is for informational purposes only and not intended to diagnose or prescribe for any disease or condition. Please contact your medical doctor or qualified health practitioner if you have any further questions. By listening to this show, you have agreed to the terms and conditions outlined at drkimberlymcgeorge.com. And as always, we thank you for listening to the show. Welcome to The Secret to Everything. It has been a while since we were on, and I'm actually going to be playing a pre-recorded, um, recorded a couple weeks ago, interview with Dr. Amiquis Palmi, and I think you are in for a real treat. I'll come back on at the end and share a couple of exciting things happening at thesecrettoeverything.com. Please do go to one of my two YouTube channels to subscribe. I have Secret to Everything, Kimberly McGeorge, and I have uh, a paranormal channel that you can also subscribe to. So enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secret to Everything radio show, and I am so excited that you are with us this evening. I have an extremely popular and esteemed internationally known guest, Dr. Amit Goswami, and he has written a number of articles and books, and like I was talking to him before, Ben, all over the place, but his current book that he's promoting is called and this is a man after my own heart, certainly. His current book is called The Everything Answer Book. And then he goes, we'll go, well, we'll just go on and tell you what it's about. So basically, as the title says, it's about everything. Uh, he discusses love and death and life and uh, thoughts and feelings and dreams and karma and God. And wow, I do not know what you do not discuss in the book, Dr. Amit. Maybe you can tell us what's not in there because I think you're covering all the scary big topics that theologians and religion and even consciousness is not afraid to touch. Would you agree with that? I think that you were right. Basically, the quantum worldview is giving answers to everything. And that is not exaggeration. So the book indeed touches upon practically everything that is important to a human being right now. Absolutely. Well, I want to give you a chance. I always like to get the story of kind of how you got from when you came onto this planet to where you are now. So could you give us a brief synopsis kind of of your life and 
And if you could answer in that synopsis the question of what drove you to delve so deeply into this topic and kind of this is your life's work. Well, you know, my, my life started pretty um, ordinary. Um, I was born in India and shifted to the States um, when I was 26. That was back in 1963, long, long time ago. And I haven't um, uh, gone back since, except for big visits, of course. Uh, so, um, you know, it's pretty ordinary life of a physicist until uh, something happened in 1973. I was at a conference and um, to give an invited talk, which is actually prestigious. But instead of feeling good, I started feeling jealous about other people, how good they were doing, giving talk, getting attention. And that continued uh, through the evening. So at one o'clock in the morning, I got disgusted with myself with the jealousy energy and, you know, my uh, tablets were gone. So I just felt panicky. What is this going on? So I go outside, fortunately the place was on Monterey Bay, so the ocean air come and hits my face. And I have this absolutely unexpected thought. Why, why do I live this way? Why do I live this way? And the conviction came that I don't have to. So the search began uh, with the conviction that I will do happy physics. Physics that integrates my life, how I live with uh, what I do for a living. Because the physics that I was doing was really very far removed from the things that are important uh, for people to consider. I mean, you know, things like love, things like um, how do you be happy? All this was not subject of, of the physics, the way of doing it. So um, after some search, I settled on quantum physics and uh, eventually found the physics that makes me happy. And in the process, all these unexpected things started happening. I, I, did, not, I did not anticipate it. Kimberly, I did not anticipate any of it. So, you know, it came to me by total surprise, one after the other. And, uh, uh, okay, so I look back and I find uh, with great amount of gratefulness that I'm um, glad that I responded to that call. Why do I live this way? I don't have to. So that's the story, very different. I actually love that. Um... It began with such a simple yet profound, you know, kind of question and such a simple yet rather profound answer. Um, there really, you know, in many of our lives, there comes those moments where we have that same choice. Actually, each day, each moment, we have that same choice that you had at that major turning point in your life. Would you agree, you know, you know, are we living in alignment with our frequency, with our values, you know, with our goals, with who we came here to be as a soul? And if we are not, let's do something about it and change it. So what was the catalyst that inspired you to write this particular book? Because I know you've written many, many, many things. Uh, well, uh, you know, you put it so uh, beautifully. Um, I didn't know that I have the choice at that time. So I was, I was proceeding kind of blindly. Uh, but as I said, I'm glad I did. And now we have an entire worldview that confirms that yes, Moment to moment, we have the choice to choose happiness, to choose health, to choose creativity, 
And if we uh, choose these things, we get the answers that our life needs. Uh, what prompted me to write this particular book? Uh, that is also an interesting story. I was invited, um, uh, you know, my books have been translated in now 17 languages, but at that time, it was not translated yet into Japanese. So the Japanese organization uh, uh, writes to me saying that we noticed that you've never had a book in Japanese, so we have to correct that. Uh, would you like to come uh, give a workshop for us? And in addition, we will um, interview you, and that interview will be the subject of a book, original book in Japanese. So um, I went, I did um, the workshop, and I also had this wonderful discussion uh, with the Japanese businessman, uh, philosopher, and uh, that uh, then formed the basis of, you know, they published the Japanese book that had no interest in the rights of the Americans, so I took the um, um, original uh, recording, which was in English, and um, got it transcribed, and we wrote the whole thing, and that is what you are looking at, everything and support. That's super awesome that you could repurpose that into this wonderful book. I love that. It's interesting because this is a book about, um, you know, to kind of sum it up and boil it down, about quantum physics. And I find that quantum physics is a word that has been quite bastardized in the English language, not only in the English language, but also in the area of general consciousness. So could you kind of frame, before we begin a deeper discussion, what, what do you mean when you talk about quantum physics? Yes, this is a very important question, and I'm glad you asked it from the beginning, because really it is true that people misuse the word a lot. Uh, quantum originally um, uh, means just a quantity. That's the way that the Latin word from which the word quantum is taken. Um, that's just a simple word meaning quantity. But in physics, it was always used in a very specific way, discrete quantity. What does that mean? Why is that important to physics? Now, physicists have known for some time that matter, if you divide it up, divide up, divide up, divide up, you end up at a place which is called elementary particle. These grains, you cannot divide anymore. So matter is grainy, it was well known. Now this guy, Max Planck, a German physicist, he suggested that energy must also be grainy like that. Now this was a surprise, of course, because we think of energy as something continuous. Um, so that was the first thing, but you know, it's a, it's not that surprising, I guess, but it became very surprising when Einstein, five years later, um, this is he's still a young man, and he suggests this absolute fantastic thing uh, that nobody noticed before, that light is a form of energy, but light is known to be a wave. How can uh, the same object be wave and particle? Because waves spread out, that's their characteristic, particles stay put. They are always only in one place at a given time. Even when they're moving, they move in a trajectory, not spread out like waves. So this is very strange. Everybody thought this is the paradox of Newtonian physics. Uh, you know, paradoxes excite people because that's the clue that Newtonian physics got to be changed. But you know, when the 
uh, equations of quantum physics were discovered, that was 25 years later after Planck, what was found was absolutely astounding, that these quantum objects, all matter and energy, are all waves. They are waves, period. But they are not ordinary waves. They are waves of possibility. Mm -hmm. So the possibilities become actual events of our experience. And so uh, this is very, very interesting because the possibility waves obviously cannot exist in space and time. Nobody has ever seen possibility objects in space and time. Space and time, things become concrete, things become actual. So you know, it was obviously the case that quantum physics exists. There are two domains of reality, one for the domain of potentiality, the other for the domain of actuality. So this is where all this thought that we hear today, the, the world is full of infinite potentiality, consciousness chooses out of this potentiality, the actual event of its experience, all that came from this beautiful quantum equation of movement. And part of it is medicine. So we no doubt that this is the case. I absolutely love that. I love just the term possibility waves excites me for some reason. So would you, would you agree? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm a little confused. Actually, I'm not, but I'm kind of I'm playing devil's advocate here. But I'm a little confused. So why, Dr. Amit, do people, do some people, you know, kind of try to jump on the wave of possibility, let's say, and they do vision boards and they pray or they do intentions or they do mantras or they draw pictures, you know, whatever they do, or they make find movies and then their life doesn't change. What would you say is wrong? How are they not accessing the possibility wave? Yeah, that's the thing. The domain of potentiality is consciousness, but it is not the same consciousness that we experience in the ego. Ooh, so rich. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Okay. Yes. That, okay. Is the, that is the basic thing and the basic surprise. This consciousness is all interconnected. Everything is one in that consciousness. This consciousness is characterized by oneness, like the mystics talk about, like Jesus, Buddha, those people talk about. So, you know, we when we are in our separateness, like in the ego, we cannot go there. But the good news is that if we follow the creative process, which now is well known, quantum physics clarifies it completely, uh, then you can actually reach the state of the self, I call it quantum self, which, you know, which is the door to that unity consciousness, and then you really can choose whatever that is that you are intending, provided, of course, it's consonant with the movement of that consciousness, that unity consciousness. And so when you talk about consciousness, you would agree that part of being out of ego and being of the unity mind is working from really the heart center of, wouldn't you agree, out of love instead of out of self? Well, um, it is easier from uh, love because love is already a unity aspect of things. But, you know, people can be separate also what we sometimes it's interpreted love. For example, we may think that sexuality takes us to the unity, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. 
you know, love is also tricky. But if you love consciousness in mind, like mystics talk about, then you have reached unity consciousness. You're right. In, with thinking also, you can do that. I mean, it's it, it's not it's not necessary to think that thinking is all out of joint with unity consciousness. We can think creatively, and when we take a creative uh, quantum leap, we call it a discontinuous jump in thinking, then we can reach from this separateness into the unity consciousness. So it's possible to do it also through thinking. Mm, I like that. And yeah, I misspoke a little bit because you're right. There are many different kinds of love. So I kind of overgeneralized that question. I, I love that you put such a huge emphasis on creation because as I work with people across the globe, and I'm sure as you come in contact with people in our society, I find there's a huge lack of creation or even understanding what it means to be in creation or to create. Could you speak a little more about that? Absolutely. Yes, create is always creating something new of meaning and value. I mean, of course, you can also be creative in feeling, but then it is with noble feeling and value. So creativity uh, is about elevated thinking. Creativity is not about ordinary thinking. This is why we have to take a discontinuous uh, leap. I call it quantum leap. We all call it quantum leap because quantum leap means it is continuously. Quantum leap does not mean that I just live like we do in ordinary space and time, but quantum leap really means that we jump out of space and time into that domain of potentiality. So it has to be a discontinuous jump. Like electrons in atoms, when they jump from one orbit to another, they don't go through the intermediate space. So it's, it's like that quantum leap uh, that we have to take. And, and and to tell you the truth, you know, um, I have taken a few quantum leaps, and you need a lot of uh, lot of the creative process to go through. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes resilience, it takes uh, a lot of preparation and a lot of being. You know, but the process is known, though. I call it do we do we do, and it is just that do and be. If we do that alternatively, with some focus, with some relaxation, then we are there. Wouldn't you say that once you kind of get in the groove of quantum leaping and uh, see some success from living in that creation space, that it becomes um, easier to do the next time and the next time? And you can almost, I found, get in that possibility wave groove with a little bit of discipline and focus and continue. And like you said, continue to recreate and create for the rest of your life, which I believe you're an awesome model of how to do that. You know, you don't necessarily stay in one place. You recreate and create um, with other people, you know, sometimes in collaboration. Um, you write new material, you experiment, you you are a man who continues to learn, obviously, and, um, you know, grow. And so do you think it gets easier, I guess? Number one, I think it's getting over the fear of trying and, you know, uh, taking that first step. But do you think it has a little bit of a discipline to it? It, it does, uh, but you know, it's, it's not really difficult. It's not like discipline like, you know, the old religions used to prescribe. It's a discipline that uh, does have modicum of pleasure. It is a discipline that does have um, happiness associated with it. Uh, so it's not a dull, dry, discipline like you are in a monastery or anything. I don't want to get 
people to misunderstand. It's it's not a hard life at all. You know, it, 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 it's more like going in a flow where you live in um, uh, happiness, relaxed life, and uh, focus, though. Uh, focus has to be there, and that focus is important. We have to focus on what we call archetypes. Uh, my focus is on love, uh, wholeness, and truth. Those are the three archetypes that I center on. But other people focus on justice. Uh, many people focus on abundance. That's the focus for businesses. Many people focus on beauty. That's the focus for artists. Um, goodness. That's the focus for educators and uh, helpers. <clears throat> so in this way, I mean, you focus on one of these archetypes, and life takes on a flow by itself. It happens. It really is true. It's not hard, but it's not so easy either that you just intend and sit down and wait and it will come. It's not like that either. So it's sort of in between. I talk a lot about this in the Everything Answer book, that the creative process is certainly not as simple as just sitting and waiting, but you do have to work, you do have to focus, and if you keep on focusing and relaxing alternatively, like that Frank Sinatra, do be, do be, do, then it works. And, it, and that quantum leap happens. And then, then you manifest that quantum leap in your life. And that's it. That's it. That's the recipe of being happy. And, you know, that is the one thing that I say about myself, which is true, that um, I am happier than ever before. It's interesting you say that because when you first started speaking, I'm really good at reading frequencies and people. And the one frequency that came over the airwaves when I heard your voice was the frequency of joy. You really carry joy within your being, which I think is a beautiful thing and, a, and you know, a great role model as well. So you spoke of archetypes. How would you say, um, is archetypes a set thing? Is that something you choose or is that something you're born with? Uh, well, actually, it is a little of both. Um, archetypes for some of us who are old souls, having many incarnations. You know, reincarnation is allowed in the quantum world view, not only allowed, quantum world view is an explanation of it. So we have been doing this for a while. And then we are bringing an archetype of choice from our past life. So that's one category. The other category is still not a very old soul and they don't have an archetype but I suggest if you belong to this category choose your archetype this life and begin the process when you begin it, it, it it's tough like you have to uh, I don't know uh, people still see that old movie called Groundhog Day that's a, that's a movie about reincarnation this guy radio host um, he is looking for the archetype of love but initially he doesn't have a clue and so you go through a few incarnations like that, and then you start getting a clue. And then it becomes interesting. And then life takes on a kind of a flow. Once you get the uh, hint of how the potentialities are developing in your life, you won't look back. I mean, that is the only way to live, really. Bulk of the people are missing out because um, they're not ready yet. But when they're ready, they certainly will uh, turn to these archetypes because that's the purpose of human life. Hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. I have a question from someone who's listening right now. Um, and the question is, how do we neutralize the ego to access 
the consciousness. Well, we don't neutralize it. You know, this was one of the misconceptions that the spiritual traditions have uh, produced, and, and many people believe it. No, we, we in, in, in quantum physics, we differentiate between two kinds of enlightenment. One is the traditional one, where you leave the ego behind and you go for it. But in quantum worldview, we, uh, we agree that there is such a state and there is such a goal, but that goal comes at the very end of all incarnations. After you have lived all your accomplishment orientations, then only that one. So uh, my advice is to myself and others who listen to me is to, no, don't worry about it. This is called the self-realization. It's all true. It will happen to you one of these days. But most people are not ready yet. And the test is very simple. Are you still interested in accomplishing? You know, I find so-called enlightened people all the time. In, in, in my uh, travel, I meet them. And then I find they still want to accomplish. They're competitive. Uh, they get into scandals, they want money, they want sex. Why all that? Because their accomplishment orientation is not done yet. Until it is done, if one goes into that kind of state, it doesn't really help. It actually hurts. So much better is to follow what I have suggested based on quantum worldview. It's a uh, state called quantum enlightenment. Here, we uh, keep the ego, but the ego is purified. Ego uh, persona, that's the part which is which becomes inauthentic. Like, you know, we have a president today in the United States who is the, one of the most inauthentic people that you can imagine. So that kind of inauthenticity gives you from creativity. So you have to purify the ego. You have to become authentic. Your, your persona must be in consonance with your character. Uh, that is called strong, person of strong character. When you have that, then actually you're more creative than people with no ego. People with no ego means creativity is out of the question. You are sort of gone from the world. You cannot accomplish anymore. In fact, you know, if you think about it, if the ego is gone, we cannot even go to the bathroom because even the bathroom learning is part of the ego. So people just don't think properly. But this quantum enlightenment, if you go for that, then you can have your cake and also eat it. Okay, admit it, you're not always happy. I put myself like 70 to 80% happiness. But that's good. I mean, I have never been um, that way before. And now I am. So I'm quite happy with this kind of 70 80% happiness. Mm, I love that purification, not elimination. I love it. That's great. So you say um, that there are three components of personal transformation, right thinking, right living, and right livelihood. That's so interesting to me. Could you share more about that? Absolutely. Actually, this is, this is a great question. Uh, right thinking, because otherwise um, we would make mistakes. You know, a um, long time ago I saw a cartoon, <laughs> which is very nice. <laughs> it says, sure, I make mistakes. Life does not come with an instruction manual. But life does now come with an instruction manual. If we follow quantum worldview, mm. we, we, know, we, we sort of know how to, how to live and how to think correct is the first step. Because if you don't know the world view, if you don't view the world correctly, for example, scientific materialists, those guys who believe everything is material, 
they are missing out on the biggest adventure uh, in life because they don't agree that there is a domain of potentiality. They don't even agree that we have conscious choice. They don't agree with any of these things. They don't agree with creativity of the kind that I'm talking about. They don't agree with unity consciousness. They don't agree with love, except for sex. So, you know, they're missing out on everything. So right thinking is most important. If you think like a religious person, you might think, okay, I'm, 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 I'm into, into some of this stuff. Yes, you are into some of this stuff, but still you are missing out. You're missing out because you have a misconception about God. You think God is separate from you. God isn't separate from you. God is separate from you in your ego. But if you take the creative step and follow the creative process, you can reach a state, quantum self, which is identical with God. That's the state from which Jesus says, my father and I are one. And so can you, because Jesus tells you constantly, be you all God children, because that is your potentiality. Mm-hmm. But if we stay in the ego, we stay in separateness. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> that's a lot. So one thing I want to talk to you about that I find very interesting that I've never heard before until I looked at your book was the phrase quantum activism. What does quantum activism mean? Okay. And of course I took a breath. So I did finish the last one. So let me finish the last question because you also asked about right living and right livelihood. And yeah, we only got through one. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. So, so um, the, if right thinking is uh, what you are doing, what your life is based, next step is very simple. You, your right thinking, you must manifest as living. Because right thinking without living it makes you only partially wise. Because you're not living it. You know, today we see constantly people who don't work their talk. So right thinking makes you talk very nicely, you know, politically correct and all that stuff. Sounds good, but you are not doing any of it. You talk about love, love is possible. You talk about choice, choice is possible. You talk about creativity, but you're not doing it in your life. So living is very important. You, you, know, you think correctly, and then you live correctly according to that correct thinking. And then the last one, it's very, very, very important because you have to recognize the realities of life. The realities of life is that we also have to survive. And survival means that I have to have, very crudely, unless I am endowed with money from my parents, I have to have a job. I have to work for my living. So uh, if the work is not uh, in consonance, in synchrony with my living, then, you know, after eight hours of work, which is uh, not synchronous with my living, uh, we get tired. Anything which is not synchronous with my purpose uh, will tire you out. You check it out. You are, uh, you, know, you do what you do and you love it because that shows in your voice. Uh, and that gives you into synchrony with your purpose. But if you don't do that, like if you do a factory job, uh, which produces meaningless stuff, um, then obviously you are not in synchrony with your purpose of life, your meaning of life. And, and that's not good. So um, right livelihood means uh, livelihood in a way that is synchronous with your thinking and feeling. Now, that is sometimes very difficult in this 
in this culture, and that brings me to quantum activism. Quantum activism is a movement which wants to bring back all the professions in synchrony with the archetypes. They were in synchrony once, but now they are not. For example, a lawyer in a previous age could be truthful. The job of a lawyer is to see to the archetype of justice. Today, do you see that in many lawyers? Okay, some different lawyers do different poor people, and then they are looking for justice. I know some lawyers who are like that, and they're great. They're great. But most lawyers, of course, uh, look for money, and then they're supporting uh, people who are the chiefs, who are the scum of the society, and uh, that's not, uh, that's not uh, serving the archetype of justice. So in this way, the, uh, the professions need to be changed, which means that the social systems must be changed. Social system must be transformed just as we must be transformed. So quantum activism is the idea of using quantum principles to change ourselves and change our society. Wow. Um, that sounds like a pretty big project. And where would we begin with that? Would we begin with, I guess, every um, segment of society? But would we, be, how would we, you know, for example, institute that in the education system? Well, education is a, is a tough one, but it can be done. Education, the archetype is goodness. And so if we um, bring education back to helping people to think, helping people to live, helping people to live and be happy, helping people to live in a purposeful, meaningful way, then we'll be back in track. We are not in track right now. Right now, materialism absolutely dominates education, especially higher education. Now, higher education has totally become uh, geared to producing a bunch of meritocracy. Uh, it's so loaded with sophistication, meaningless oftentimes, like, you know, in ancient times, we replaced the church because uh, the church people uh, did most, most of most things which are absolutely meaningless, like finding out how many angels can dance on the head of the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that, that's what we do today. That's what, what pissed me out, you know. I became absolutely disgusted. Why do I do things which are so much about sophisticated stuff and I must admit, the necessity of it is just very, very little. And, and, and still, this is what the society uh, paid me to do. And I did it, and it was not making me happy because it was not in synchrony with meaning and purpose. There was no meaning to that kind of activity. There is no meaning and purpose in that kind of activity. So this is the very important thing that we have to bring in meaning and purpose in our educational system. And of course, the, uh, even the basic school, reading, writing, arithmetic, that's not everything, you know. We need inspiration. We need meaning there too. We need to be aware of the purpose of life, even when we are just um, a teenager, because that helps us to orient ourselves beautifully. Although I know I, 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 I never uh, underestimate the you know, attraction of the basic uh, pleasure aspects of life. And of course, they have to develop an ego before you can engage creativity and all that. So that uh, reading, writing, arithmetic is important. But so is uh, inspiration, so is intuition, so is insight, so is uh, imagination, 
So these things, these four eyes must also get um, as much attention as the three R's get. That is the main thing that I say. The other thing is that creativity is kind of ignored today in, in these uh, high school and college education because they have separated out these gifted people and non-gifted people. That separation got to be stopped. Everybody can be creative. The quantum worldview clearly says everybody can be creative. It's a sophistication of some of the um, ways that we can be creative that prevents people from being creative. But sophistication is not part of creativity. So teach creativity. Uh, let them find what they want to be creative about. The field of sophistication is not the only place where people can be creative about. How would we do that practically speaking? Are, would we bring new um, you know, people like yourself into, which I know you did teach, you know, to start teaching some of these um, different classes or different ways of thinking? Would we have you know, different textbooks that aren't sponsored by the major corporations? Like for example, in medical school, as I know you're well aware, um, most of the textbooks are sponsored by for-profit drug companies. So would we start expanding the libraries and the, you know, teachers? How would we do that? Yeah, so that is very important. You bring up the health profession, let's take that one. So allopathy, which is materialist medicine, is very sophisticated. But do we need so much dependence on allopathy? Quantum worldview has established that we have five different bodies, not just the physical body. We have a vital energy body with which we feel. We have a mental body, nobody can deny, with which we think meaning. Meaning cannot be processed by computer. So meaning is not matter. Meaning is non-matter, non-material. Uh, and of course, the archetypes, which are definitely non-material. Um, and we explore that, we give value to that, then we become happy, we become purposeful. So it is, it is very clear then that um, there are there are stuff there which we can uh, engage in, and those engagements will produce a very different kind of um, creative venture. Uh, if we choose that, we become happy, we become loving, we become good. And are these things important for society? Of course they are. So, if, for example, we talk about teachers. How can you be a teacher just on the basis of thinking? Because the teaching, especially young kids, requires what we call love, requires what is goodness. We need to help these kids to grow up, and we need to love them in the process. We need to be good to them. That is the one absolute criteria. Can you find teachers who uh, love the kids? I mean, yes, some of them do, but mm -hmm. most of them don't. Most of mm -hmm. them uh, are into their thinking mind. Uh, yes, women contribute great amount of um, goodness to teaching profession. I'm glad that so many women go into that. Um, women are naturally loving, so that's good. But men need to be loving too. Uh, kids need love. Kids need goodness in order to get uh, into the groove of, of meaning and purpose in their lives. I love that. I love, I mean, yeah, we all need love, right? <laughs> and we all love, we all love to have goodness showered upon us and we need to in turn shower that upon other people. So I love that. Kind of flipping into a different, um, more current events type of um, issue. 
How do you see all the things that are happening, all the violence, all the terrorism, all the racism, all the isms that are, um, you know, the schism really um, that's happening in the world right now? How can we bring consciousness to play in a very practical way on the world right now, each one of us? I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, uh, through the ages, um, as long as you have known spiritual traditions, we have been making a very fundamental mistake that quantum physics is finally correcting. This mistake is to think that the unity consciousness comes naturally to us. You know, people say, it is your nature to love. No, it is not my nature to love. That is not true. It is my potentiality to love. Uh, the quantum worldview says unity consciousness is potentiality. We have to actualize it. How do I actualize it? We can actualize it by looking inwards, like the mystics say, like the spiritual tradition said. But there is also another way to actualize, which is to relate to people. This is the, this is the wonderful contribution of quantum physics. Quantum physics introduced the concept of correlation or entanglement. When I interact with another person, mm -hmm. like we are interacting right now with the help mm -hmm. of the internet, this interaction, because we have intention, we have focusing, correlates us. What does that mean? That means momentarily, it don't last, but momentarily for this hour, you and I have that basic access to oneness. So this is the, this is the key thing that we have to let people uh, the capacity, the opportunity to correlate with each other. What happens with racism is that we keep people isolated. Uh, you know, and, uh, they intuited in the uh, 70s and 80s, they intuited that the crucial thing is not to live in a segregated way from the blacks and whites in this country. But, but, but we had a backlash. So politicians, um, they uh, went back. Went back, busing is no longer required, the kids are no, no longer able to mix, and we are as segregated in our living as ever. And that segregation is what generates this um, racism. Racism never went away. Racism cannot be gotten rid of by political correctness. Sure, you don't have to say the N-word, that's fine. But that's not what racism is. Racism is feeling superior to the other. Um, that is something which is very hard to remove without actually working on it. So transformation is necessary. We need transformational institutions of learning. So I have gone ahead, I have taken it upon myself and friends have joined us. So one of the things we are doing is we are establishing transformational universities all over the world. Right now, there is a plan to do it in wow. four different cities. Uh, one in San Francisco Bay Area. I'm very excited about it. So, so we need transformation. There is no other way to get into a solution of racism, sexism, homophobia, and all this stuff. Political correctness is absolutely the worst thing. This is one, at least one factor, you know, where there is some correctness is that people chose Donald Trump rather than the politically correct Hillary. The political correctness is nothing. It's nothing. It does very, very little. One has to be authentic. Of course, authentic racist is not that great either. Um, that is also awful. But um, at least authenticity is the beginning of the creative understanding of unity consciousness. And once you have an understanding of unity consciousness, you could not be a racist.
Yeah, so it kind of swirls back to education in a way and something else that you teach and that you write about, which is you state that it really only takes a small number of people, you know, to transform in order to help, you know, all of humanity begin to transform. Absolutely. Because even if the small number of people working that talk, people wonder, why are these people happy? Why are these people so capable of doing so much, whereas I'm suffering from my narrowness and suffering from my bigotry? They see that. We do not have any role models like that today. You know, this is one of the big problems. Even when uh, we were in the United States, that's where I came to this country, it was exciting because there were so many role models. You know, Martin Luther King was not the only one. Bobby Kennedy, Kennedy Brothers, they were all mm -hmm. extremely uh, creative uh, liberal people who wanted, who knew that something can be done, and they did it. President Johnson, very creative in terms of the social problems. Of course, he got bogged down in Vietnam. That's another story. That was mm -hmm. his but, but he was very, very creative in terms of social problems. Uh, we have lost those role models. Now the role models are, you know, Donald Trump. So uh, this, uh, this country has to um, change uh, in a very major way. And can we do it? I'm confident. The American spirit is very different than the one that is playing right now. I think uh, grave mistakes have taken in the way that we call ourselves American, and it has to be corrected. Uh, is this the path to American greatness? It's the opposite. America is now downgraded so much. You know, in my travels, everybody immediately asked me, you know, what is the problem with America? Well, the problem with America is that we have backlashed and backtracked so much. Now we have a long, hard way to go back, but we can because this American spirit is very wonderful. It's a creative spirit, basically. Scientific materialism has thrown a specter of darkness on that creative spirit. Creative spirit is not compatible with scientific materialism. If you are matter, if you are machines, then creativity is out the window. But we are not machines. This is the point that you have to recognize and, and throw out meritocracy. Of course, we have to throw out also aristocracy. I'm not support, supporting neither aristocracy of the Republicans nor the meritocracy of the Democrats. So where do we find this middle ground where neither aristocracy nor uh, Meritocracy, that is where this large number of independents that are showing up more and more and more and more in the political arena, that becomes important. So we'll see. You know how long it will take? I don't know, but we'll see. It has to change. We got to bring back the archetypal values in our society, and neither the Republicans nor the Democrats are supporting us. Well, you talk about, you know, again, we're, we're seeing the themes of creativity and creation come around and around in this conversation, but how, what suggestions could you give someone that may be hearing this material, your material, or these concepts for the first time? How could they begin to become more creative in their life? Well, once you uh, wake up to the concept of meaning, once you look for meaning in your life, see, the, the, the problem is that, you know, modern life, um, gives us a vain idea that you are okay as you are. Mm. No, you are not okay as you are because you are not happy. 
the thing is that pleasure cannot does not cannot make you happy because pleasure is a very momentary thing it's a molecular happiness it comes and goes and this is the problem you know we okay so you are suffering you go to the store you buy a new pair of shoes you feel sexy and momentarily you are happy but for how long you know you cannot just look at the shoes all day <laughs> and it wears off in 5 10 minutes the big jolt of pleasure that you got is gone and now what now you are back to the same unhappy mind same unhappy mind because there is no meaning and no purpose in your life so the idea is to find meaning and purpose as soon as that happens you find your way to creativity because creativity is the only way to explore meaning and purpose there is no other way and then of course you realize that okay some of your lifestyle need to change but you will change them because the offshoot of creativity is happiness is intelligence and everybody wants to be happy everybody wants to be intelligent intelligence is the ability to choose the right things uh, for action at every moment and it is so wonderful to be able to do that if you always take appropriate action your chance of being unhappy will be just very very little hmm i teach that a different way i i teach everything matters so everything you choose matters and it's either going to you know increase that that level as you would say of happiness or it's going to decrease you know your level of happiness so you know what i love i love that you're actually i think you're the only person i've ever heard say out loud that you can actually be happy in a way i hear you saying there is a path to happiness would you agree yeah i i think that is correct and i also agree that everything matters because everything is meaningful and if you can start seeing that that everything including the suffering in your life is meaningful because suffering in your life is attracting attention to alternatives is there any other way to live which will make me happy this is the question that happened to me why do i live this way that i become unhappy so suffering brings our attention to creativity and eventually as soon as you find creativity you have the solution creativity is the solution creativity will make your life meaningful and purposeful but not creativity in this in the way that materialists define it creativity that looks for meaning and fulfills purpose that's the creativity you're looking for right not the temporary flippant type of creativity so let's, exactly. ju- let's jump a little bit here let's jump up into what what you believe or what you teach the meaning of the universe and the meaning of life is bad yes so meaning of life is this this bringing purpose into life because the evolution if you look at evolution that's where the evolution is going evolution is a very interesting subject because you know we have a very incomplete theory everybody knows it's a wrong theory but it's not politically correct to say that but i don't believe in political correctness so i'll just spell it out darwinism is simply wrong it's incomplete mm-hmm. like all materialist theories it's incomplete so it has some grains of truth but even that grain of truth is not established in a um, scientifically correct way because molecules can never 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 go for what darwin says they go for molecules don't care about survival darwin's whole theory is based on the idea of survival 60 years after uh, scientific materialism came along the idea came along that everything is molecules but what has that idea produced if you uh, cast 
Darwinism with molecular biology, that everything is molecules. And if life evolves because it wants to survive, then you must show that molecules, because that's what life is, you are saying, molecules care about survival. But even after 60 years of research, nobody has been able to produce molecules which want to survive. There is nothing about survivability in the properties of molecules. So Darwinism is simply incomplete. It has many other incompleteness, but the worst thing that it teaches you know what is that human beings are not the final so far rendition of evolution. It teaches human beings are just equivalent to amoeba and everything. Mm -hmm. That is the completely wrong thing. Human beings are the echelon of evolution because we, for the first time in the in the uh, evolution of life, can process meaning, can process worldview, can process purpose. Animals can't. And I have nothing against animals. I love animals. But the point is that animals cannot process meaning and purpose like we can. And this has to be emphasized. And this cannot be emphasized if we hold on to Darwin's theory of evolution. So there are just many, many, many defects of the current educational system which got to be corrected. Biologists are very afraid of speaking anything against Darwinism, although they know in their heart that it cannot explain the data correctly. Many pieces of data cannot have any explanation in Darwinism. And there is already a successful theory. I wrote a book myself on it, Creative Evolution. Pierre uh, de Chardin, a great uh, mystic scientist, and Aurobindo, another great mystic philosopher, they already gave us the basis of a, uh, evolution of consciousness. If we do that, then what we find is that the universe, uh, the world, consciousness is evolving towards greater purpose, which is to bring the archetypes into manifestation. This is why I say that the that the purpose of human life today is to bring the archetypes into manifestation. This is why creativity is so important. If we did that, then all of our problems would be solved. All those things that you asked, global climate change, you asked about uh, terrorism, you asked about uh, health, um, economics, of course, politics, all problems can be solved if we simply align ourselves with the movement of consciousness which says follow the archetypes, explore the archetypes and embody them, okay? Wow, that, we have to end there because that's, that's a final statement. I love that. I absolutely agree and it's so beautiful and I thank you so much for continuing to spread this message. But I wanna point out to our listeners that there was a key word in there, which is again, going back to, um, you know, although you spoke a lot about the unity field, going back to, we can't wait for our mother, our father, our brother, our sister, our neighbor, you know, the people across the world, or even Dr. Amit to do this. We need to uh, be inspired by speakers like this and authors and um, consciousness leaders like this, and we need to do it ourselves. We need to take, uh, you know, the mantle that your challenge that you're laying down and apply it and take action. And so I'm challenging the people that listen to this and will listen to this for and, you know, people do listen to this by the hundreds and thousands for years and years to come. You know, I challenge those, whether you're listening to it on the day that it aired or whether you're listening to this three or four or 10 years from now, because you're leaving a big footprint, which I think, you know, Dr. Amin. But, um, you know, I challenge you to begin to take action. And if you don't understand what action to take, then 
ask someone that you may think um, maybe can stand a little outside yourselves and suggest, you know, something to do because we can listen to these wonderful shows and these wonderful speakers and read these amazing books that present new theories. But until, like you said, we bring that into our life and we really begin to change ourselves. And by doing that, we can change the whole world. Nothing happens. So thank you so much for being our guest, um, Dr. Amit. And if someone would like to connect with you on social media, how could they get in further touch or read more about you? Uh, well, uh, website is amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. That is the easiest way. There's an email in that um, website. And please write. I answer every piece of email that I get. And uh, it also has all the information about my events and books and everything. So please visit the website. That would be very nice of you to connect with me. And you also have a Facebook, which is uh, is a quantum activism. Is that your? I do have a Facebook, and that is uh, if you type in Navito Swami, you will get you will get all the information about the Facebook as well. Also, the website will have information of the Facebook. It has actually a link to the Facebook page. So Fantastic. You oh, you are such a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for um, having discovered your archetype and being you on the planet at this time. We appreciate you so much. I appreciate your joy and your light, Thanks. and I absolutely appreciate your time. Thank you, Kimberly. I greatly appreciate your enthusiasm. You are wonderful. Aw, you as well. Take care, my friend. Many blessings. Okay, you too. And thank you all for joining us in another edition of Secret to Everything, sponsored by SecretToEverything.com. Until next time. <laughs>